And we are live for episode number 25 of the Bronx Bomber About podcast. I'm your host, Matt, Luz, Luigi. And tonight, we got the three-man crew. It's me, it's G, and it's Andrew. How are we doing, fellas? What's up? How's it going, man? It's going good. It's going good. Um, You know, uh, I, I always hate to start up the show on a bit of a down note, but uh, I might as well get right into it. Um, Luis Severino shut down for two weeks because of a rotator cuff inflammation. Um, you know, it's not the worst thing to hear. Uh, everything came like all his x-rays came back clean, so nothing serious, but he will be shut down for two weeks and then be uh, he will resume his throwing program. But it's being reported that he'll most likely miss uh, the opening day. Obviously, he would have been the opening day starter. Um, and who knows how, how much time he can miss. But, uh, guys, uh, thoughts about this uh, 7 News coming out today? I think um, maybe needs to be clarified a little bit, not to, like, blow you up or anything. But Jeez, blow me up, everyone. Jeez, blow me up. Minimum two weeks that he's going to be shut down. And hopefully that's only, like, you know, if he's doing better, then, then he can keep going. But, like, Brian Cashman was on with Mike Francesa the other day, and he was like, you know, you hope it's only that because then if it's not healed by then, then pretty much you assume that you have to do double the timetable going forward every time it's not, you know, healed by something. So, I mean, it sucks, but I guess in terms of timing of the season, then this would be the best time to have it. And hopefully this is it. And he only misses whatever, a couple weeks in April. Yeah. They, they said he's not going to pick up a baseball for, for two weeks. Um, which, by the way, that's always such a funny phrase. Like, he's not going to physically pick. I mean, <laughs> uh, means he won't throw the ball. But um, if you figure from yesterday, I believe it broke, uh, two weeks from then is the 20th. Opening day is the 28th. Um, and when, when you come back from, from that injury, you're basically starting from day one of spring training. So he needs another week or two at minimum to get into, uh, you know, regular season shape at that point. So... It's not great news, but I think what's most concerning is, like, what's the source of the inflammation? It wasn't like, you know, he he took a, a line drive off the shoulder and it just, you know, you know, needs a little time to rest. Like, it's probably from throwing hard. And you know, he had the highest fastball velocity the past few years. I mean, that's you you hope it's nothing more. I know they said the MRI was clean, but if it lingers, it's it's a much bigger issue. Well, inflammation is more of like a symptom of something, right? So that's the thing, like you said, that I'd be concerned about is that, you know, what's actually causing it. Right, right. As long as it's not like like a tear or something going wrong with his labrum later on, like we could probably get past it. I mean, what what did – um when when the Red Sox shut down Chris Sale last year in like late August, was it the same thing? Was it just inflammation? Because he came back and pitched fine in the postseason. Um, I'm not, I don't remember exactly. I could look it up real quick, but I feel like part of that was because of how he always runs out of gas at the end of the season. So they're trying to like proactively get him some rest so he doesn't, you know, fall off a cliff. But he also, I mean, he did, it was his throwing shoulder, right? That he was actually a shoulder injury. Um, I, I believe so. I, you know, Chris, anyway, I mean, the thing about this one that, sucks i mean that just yeah it kind of sucks is that this was it was supposed to be his first actual start right so like when he comes back he's yeah. just starting 
from scratch, like from right from the, the very beginning, very first day of spring training. I mean, yeah, it, it would be almost you know, I think it'd be a little less worrying. But let's say if he had a start through you know his first few innings of spring, and then this came out, you could say, oh, you know, he hasn't thrown an, an actual game in quite a while. You know, it could just be a bo- body's reaction. But yeah, I mean, he was warming up for his first start at spring, and then all of a sudden, you know, it comes out that he's not going to pitch today, and then all of a sudden now he's shut down for at least two weeks. So. It's definitely a bit concerning, um, and it it really brings questions to, you know, you saw it all over Twitter. People starting to say, "All right, should the Yankees go go and try to get another starting pitcher?" Because like the rotation, I think you know a lot of people um, were a bit skeptical, a bit skeptical about the rotation to begin with, even with Sevy. If we have to deal with Sevy, or let's let's just say the month of April, Sevy's out. I, I don't think it'd be ideal to roll in, you know, without adding anything else to this rotation. I mean, you have Herman, you have Loisiga who could, you know, fill in that uh, final spot in the rotation. But I mean, the, qu- the question is, and I think the one guy that we've seen pop up a lot is should the Yanks go out and try to get a guy like Gio Gonzalez a- instead of relying on the, you know, the kind of minor league pitchers that they have right now. Yeah, I, I that that that's a type uh, tightrope type situation. Um, you know, the other name you've heard too is is Dallas Keuchel, and that obviously is going to take a a higher AAV, longer term deal. Um, I think that's an easier pass. But with with Geo, he he wasn't all that great when he got traded to uh, what was it Milwaukee last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he does provide you know a proven veteran arm in the rotation. And with the Yankees' frail starting staff, I mean. If all five guys are healthy, it's one of the best starting rotations in baseball. But they've already proven it's not even the second week of, of March, and, and they're dealing with stuff. Um, having Geo on the roster, I mean, at some point you figure you're going to need him. If maybe Paxson misses a start or two, he slides in there. If you know something happens with CC again, it, it's good to have a guy like that just for depth. Yeah, I think um, I. If I were to go out and get someone, I'd probably lean towards Geo just because he'd be a lot more gettable on like a short term, you know, like, you know, one year or something like that kind of a deal. Um, Ken Rosenthal reported that the Astros made multiple deals to Dallas Keuchel, like one and two year offers, but that that wasn't really what he was looking for. So Mm -hmm. unless the Yankees found more money that they weren't willing to spend on someone else, then I just don't see it happening. So, I mean, yeah, no, Keiko's going to ask for like three years and 60 million minimum. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like Gio seems like the guy, right? He's kind of been bouncing around a little bit, but like, he's still a pretty solid pitcher. Like, and I mean, Severino is hard because if, you know, they go out and sign someone, but in two weeks he's fine and he's good to go and he comes back then. Yeah. But then you have a guy like Gio in the bullpen instead of Luis Sessa. So it, even then it's not the worst case scenario. My concern though with that is that, do you have too many left-handed pitchers if you get him or even, you know, should they surprise all and break the bank for Keiko? I mean, you already have Hap and Paxson and Zabathia. I mean, has a team ever had more than three left-handed starters in a rotation? Well, I mean, maybe, but I mean, that's their entire bullpen is hard throwing righties. So that could also be part of your, you know, you know, teams would load up, line up with the right-handers and then you get the bullpen if you get a lead you know whatever five innings into the game and then you get all the righties coming out 
Like consistent, just, yeah, a couple nights in a row. I mean, that's true. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to plan for. Geo last year had a – for both Washington and Milwaukee, had a 4.2 on ERA, 171 innings pitch. So. It was a lot better with Washington than Milwaukee. No, it, was, right? it was a lot better with Milwaukee, actually. It was five starts in Milwaukee. He was 3-0 with a 2.13. Oh, okay. In Washington, he was had a 4.57 ERA, 27 starts. So, Did he get any postseason starts? Um, let me check postseason. Um, I know Milwaukee did that weird thing yeah, with Wade where they started him for like an had, out. Uh, he had two starts in the NLCS, um, three innings, three hits, two runs. So okay. I think he was kind of just used as like an opener, it seems like. I don't remember watching those games, but he had a um, between the two spots, Milwaukee and Washington had what I think it looks like it's. Like a just over two war. So, I mean, he's a pretty replacement level player. Like for a late, you know, late winter, you know, spring training signing, it's kind of, you know, like a useful player. Not much more than you're going to get than that. Now, I was going to, I was going to ask about like, well, I see you getting her mom, but I think we could get into them once we do because we're going to end the show with the uh, starting pitcher positional preview. So we'll talk more about those guys later in the show, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a guy like Gio Gonzalez is just would be a great addition to this staff. I, I know I would feel a lot more confident, a lot more settled about the rotation because he's kind of, he's kind of just like a Hap, right? He's kind of a guy mm-hmm. that you look at his career. I mean, he's a few years younger than Hap, but you look at his career, he's been pretty consistent most years. You know, you, you kind of know what you're getting from him. Um, yeah, I think he would just be a, a good guy to go get. He'd probably be really cheap. See, like, that's the thing. Keiko, like, look, is cut like – Keiko's probably a bit better than Gio at this point. But I mean, he has a higher, a significantly higher ceiling. I don't know if he can mm-hmm. achieve yeah. that, but like when he's on, Absol- he's absolutely, absolutely. Lethal. But I mean, is he worth you know fifteen, twenty million a year for the next three, four years? Uh, I definitely not. Yeah, no. exactly. I think the thing about Gio that maybe puts the Yankees in a tough spot, like for the next two weeks minimum, like. You know, if he wants to start, like if he's if his if he's telling teams like, oh, I only want to start, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can you give him that assurance, right? Because if Severino's fine, and, but you already have him in the house, like, you know, then you have six starters and you have to, you know, juggle and you know wait until someone gets hurt and then you know. Yeah, but at a certain good. point, he needs he needs a job, right? I mean, I think oh, Neil Walker yeah. wanted to be the everyday second baseman for a team last year, and eventually, um, you know, he he broke down when. No one was giving him offers into the middle of, or when when did he sign? About this time last year, and yeah. the Yankees were like, "Fine, you want to be a utility guy?" I, I think Gio ideally would hold out to be a starter, but eventually, if there's really not many offers, he'll take the best. He'll probably want to be on a team that he has the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Here's here's my question though, because um, yeah, we talked. We're going to get obviously into Sessa and Loisaga and Herman, but do, do you have? any seller's remorse with, with Sonny Gray at this point? I mean, we, the one thing that, no. that, they, that they talked about was, <laughs> was if, you, if, if you trade him away, you don't have a lot of depth in your rotation should something, let's say, happen to CC Sabathia. What is Obviously, depth? What is depth really, though, in this case? Like, I think it's something that you, like, you have to have some like, kind of a backup plan that's not – complete unproven kids. And, and I know no, both those guys like, had starts last year. No, but I don't think this is a good backup. Like, this isn't depth. Like, it's this is depth like having a warm body just to have it. Like, Sonny Gray was 
Like all the you know, Brian Cashman was about as blunt as you could possibly be, right? I don't think I've ever heard of him say so openly about a player like it's just not going to work out. Like Sonny We're Gray, move him. yeah, right. He just he you know he was decent at times on the road. Literally couldn't pitch him at home. He had a six something ERA at Yankee Stadium. Like it just like it wouldn't have done them any good to be like, oh well, you know, Sevy's hurt. At least we have Sonny Gray to go out there and throw up like a five ERA. Well, like, here, here's a here's a funny story. And I'm just totally playing devil's advocate here. I don't actually think that we should have kept him. The Yankees play, I believe, six of their first nine games against the Orioles. Basically, the only team that Sonny Gray could have could beat. Um, he was the king. If you had to roll yeah, through yeah. two runs of the rotation with him replacing Sabathia, I, you'd probably survive. Now, hopefully, you, you you expect a guy like Herman or Cesar, whoever they give the start to, to be at least competent until the, the bullpen <laughs> come through. But... I just thought that was funny that that was like the one team he he actually dominated. Well, just to finish that hypothetical, you make it through the first two weeks of the season with Sonny Gray, but then you still have to have him on your roster basically until the trade deadline at least. Like right, but then he'd be in your bullpen instead of a guy like Sessa, and he was better. As I, I anyway, uh, I, I think this kind of leads into our yeah. our next segment. Yeah, Pickles was he was in the news, uh, you know, the last this week. Um, Basically came out and said, uh, like the title of this article is, Sonny Gray says Yankees telling him to throw a shit pitch led to his struggles. Um, Here's a quote from Pickles. I can't command my slider that well. I want to throw my slider in the dirt with two strikes, and that's about it. I don't have that type of slider like Tanaka slider. His slider, the catcher will catch it, and the batter will swing and miss. If I get a swing and miss, the catcher is blocking it in the dirt. When I try to throw sliders for a strike, I get around it, and it's just a shit-spitting pitch. I don't know how people throw sliders for strikes that are still tight, good pitches. I'm at 2-0, and and I'm throwing a slider, and either I'm throwing a shit slider in the zone or I'm yanking it into the dirt, and it's 3-0, and I'm screwed either way. Um, Look. That's a mouthful. Like, look, man. I, like... Professional athlete, like when you're like a 28, 29 year old professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars and you're complaining about having to throw a pitch, like, man, I feel no sympathy for this guy. Like, absolutely no sympathy. It's like, no, and he had to take down Gary and Romine with him, too. Talking about, like, oh, it's in the dirt. So, implying that, like, we had catchers who couldn't block pitches in the dirt. Like, what the hell is that? Like, I, it's just like when he said in the clip, like, I don't know how guys throw sliders for a strike that are tight. It's just like, that's just like, dude, you're a competitor. You're, You're supposed to work on your stuff and you're supposed to get to that, you know, like, if your slider isn't good, you're supposed to make it better. Like, uh, like, I feel like this didn't make the like. Look, man, I it it does need to be said that like at a certain point, like once Gray was out of the rotation, like remember when they asked Larry, they were like, "Hey, uh, you doing anything with Sonny to get like back in the rotation?" He's just like, "No." no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is, is kind of screwed. But I mean, I mean, then the guy's just not a competitor. The guy, I mean. It really like Sonny Gray's like because you hear it all the time that most of the time it's a cliche like oh this guy couldn't pitch in New York Sonny Gray is the definition of a guy that couldn't pitch in New York like he he just I mean that kind of like he was a mental midget and this quote just him coming out and saying this just confirms it like Andrew you said before the show the slider the last few years it's literally like the most successful pitch in baseball it's literally like the most effective successful pitch in all of baseball and this guy is complaining about having to throw it. 
I just, it's like, I mean, we, we've, we've gone, you know, we've been hard on Sonny Gray in the podcast, like when we were doing, you know, last season, it's, I mean, he wasn't pitching well. And I think it's funny that you'd just be like, I mean, you know, I don't know what the Yankees, you know, what it's like, what they preach or what they're, you know, coaching them up to do, but like, you know, sliders are very successful, like you just said. So either maybe, and he's clearly aware that his slider is not very good. So maybe work on the slider if it's having success and they want you to throw it or like, just don't throw it because as much as you could say, they want me to do this or that, you know, Brian Cashman's not out there on the mound shaking off the catcher. It's Sonny Gray. So, right. We talked about this in our group chat. That, like no one's holding a gun to his head, making him throw that pitch. I mean, Gary, uh, Larry can call it from the dugout. Gary or Romine can signal for it. He shakes it off. He wants to throw a curveball. Like, that's it. Like, they may call for a lot of sliders, but, like, if he, that's the, the axe he's going to grind. I, I just – it seems so frivolous. Yeah. Like, why why are you bringing that up right now? You know, like, you're on a new team, like, new beginnings, like, but you're still just talking about the Yankees. You're still almost trying to put your – shitty season on the fact that they're making you throw a slider like yeah and, and you know what and larry rothschild gets a lot of shit and a lot of times it's it's deservedly so but i mean you look at a guy like like nathan avaldi right i mean he went on to boston after the trade and was phenomenal for them this year re-signed and who knows what they're going to get from him but he said in his world series press conference that like because of larry rothschild child's impact on him when he was with the Yankees, like that's what helped turn his career around. So, I mean, <laughs> I, so thanks a lot, Larry. Yeah. I mean, thanks, like, like I mean that, 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 <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I'm just waiting for, for Yankees Twitter to implode. If he has a good start or even a full good season with, with Cincinnati, he has his college pitching coach, Derek Johnson, who was with him at Vanderbilt. Um, that's obviously a comfortable situation for him. And I expect him to be, a competitive pitcher for the Reds and just, you know, Yankee squared is going to melt down like bitching about why we traded him and like, like lose perspective altogether. Sonny like, Gray is going to turn in Cy Young performance after Cy Young performance. In and Yankees fans are going to have aneurysms. In one of the most like media friendly, maybe for a player, right? Like in terms of scrutiny, like national media, how much attention are they paying on an everyday basis to the Cincinnati Reds? Like the who? Like, Exactly. So <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just annoying, right? I mean, we obviously aren't fans of Sonny Gray because he wasn't a good pitcher for the Yankees, but like, it's just annoying. Like, what's your target audience? Because Yankee fans don't like you, you know, and coming out and being like, oh, the Yankees made me do this or that. Like, it's just not like, it's just like him airing his grievances just to air them. Like, and um, even, I mean, there's an article on CBS after he said all those things, basically saying like, you know, City. Sonny Gray said the Yankees made him do this and that. And he, you know, even referred to a start when he pitched in relief and he pitched, you know, pretty, you know, a good relief outing. And he said that he came out and threw only cutters. And, you know, the stats don't even back that up. They said half of them were breaking balls. So, I just, right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think it was, um, I think it was written by uh, Mike Excessa, who, who moonlights over at River and Blues as well. Um, the, the graph that he put showed that I think Gray's curveball rate was basically in line with his entire career. That, you know, he said, I don't throw this pitch anymore. The Yankees wanted me to throw more sliders. And so it had the sliders in one color 
going down, you know, percentage wise, and the curveball is going up. Like it was a mirror image of his entire career usage, and he bitched about it. Mind boggling. Yeah. So prior to being traded to the Yankees in 2017, Gray used a slider 14% of the time. Since the trade, he's used a slider 16.2% of the time. So, like, not like a drastic difference, you know, just slight, like using your slider slightly more. I mean, he um, said it himself, uh, right? He said it himself that it's not a very good pitch. So I don't know how you could be so aware of that fact. Have someone in your ear being, or I guess supposedly saying, we want you to throw more and then just be, I don't know what, like you didn't work on it. Like what happened in the tw- in between those two things? Like, and that's why Yankee fans don't like Sonny Gray. Not because he didn't pitch well. I mean, that obviously comes with the territory. But because he just had a shitty attitude. You know, he's not a competitor. Like, remember that that start when he got blasted? Or maybe even he came in relief. Which one? I, I don't remember. The one against uh, Baltimore where he left the mound smiling. Yeah, that was bad. That was brutal, man. Like, like how, do, how, how, how do you do that? You're pitching in what are, one of the toughest media markets in the world, not even just in, in the sport in the world, and you go out and you have an absolute dud performance against the worst team in baseball, and you're laughing it off like it's a joke. Yep. Well, Good you know, riddance. That's, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Sunny Gray talk on this podcast for forever. Actually, forever. We're never talking about him again. Never, never again. Fuck Sunny Gray. Um, <laughs> some news and no- some news and notes from spring. Um, Aaron Boone, once again, reaffirming everyone that it's either Luke Voigt or Greg Bird at first base for the Yankees, but not both. Um, Quote is, it's tough for me to envision us having two first basemen, especially when I feel like DJ would be that guy that gets backup reps there. So, you know, Booney's standing firm on the fact that one of those guys is probably going to start the year in AAA. Hopefully it's Greg Bird. Yeah, well, it's hard to, like, I mean, even he said it, like, they want DJ LeMahieu to play the number he used was 145 games. So that's basically every single day for even someone who's penciled in as a starter, like with a full season's worth of off days. So like, I mean, he's, I mean, it's it. the only way, only way it would have maybe worked is if you had like John Carlos Stanton be the everyday left fielder and then you could rotate a DH, but then it would, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's probably not going to happen. So what are you going to do? You're going to DH Greg Bird? I mean, unless he's hitting the ball, you know, outside his mind, like, no, is I that mean, the guy you want occupying the DH spot? No. Well, the other part of that, what he also brought up was that they like Tyler Wade's versatility, but that doesn't, you know, because he plays infield and outfield, but that really doesn't have any bearing Tyler on Wade, Tyler Wade's versatility because he strikes out looking and swinging. I mean, he's fast and can catch the ball, so. <laughs> I think I think we talked about this on one of our previous podcasts as well, though. Like, they have to give Wade one final shot, well, and they then they, they, they know one way or the other, like, it's never going to happen, or, wow, we just needed to wait for him to come around, and here's the player we thought he was all along. And I think they, I think Bird's in the same boat, but for, for different reasons. Uh, his more, more so to injury. Birds um, at least showed a bit more on the MLB level than Tyler Wade. You know, I'll give I'll give him that. Right. Right now, um, Luke Voigt, who, although he said, you know, that Bird, uh, you know, Aaron Boone said that Bird might have the edge defensively, but that like Luke Voigt probably had an edge overall, and I think probably the only way that Bird would overtake him was just to hit out of his mind all spring. Right. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. 
Voigt's four of 14. He's got a couple home runs that were absolute bombs. And, I mean, Bird had a pretty nice home run as well. He's, where is it, seven out of 18. So he's batting over 300. Like, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what that number is, right? What How, how good would he have to be to actually overtake him? I'm not sure we would. It's probably more eye test than anything else. And, and, you know, we, we talked about this, like, the Yankees are probably probably best suited if Bird is the first baseman, and not because Luke Voigt didn't earn it, but because Bird is so good that he rips that position, you know, he, he pulls it away from, from Voigt. Um, he provides an additional left-handed bat, which they don't have much of, and the only way he is the starting first baseman is if he's so good that – you know, you can't not give it to him. That's good for our offense. Well, it's like we talked about ceilings before, you know. It's like Bird's ceiling is much higher than Voight's, you know. It, well, it's just well a, we don't know that. I mean, I, I Voight could be a late bloomer. Yeah, um, but, I mean, the only real – I mean, not that we have so much track record or, you know, data for Greg Bird for the last, like, three years. But, I mean, Luke Voight's been up and down. You know, he was with the Cardinals. He was up and down. You know, he has, you know, some favorable metrics. He hits the ball hard, like – but I mean, is he going to hit three thirty-five like he did for the Yankees over a forty-game stretch? Probably not. Like, you know what? Look, look at his oh, minor league splits. Hit. He he hit at at or around three hundred every level of the minor leagues, and then at the major leagues. Um, well, that, I mean, I mean yeah. that that's 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 a positive trend there. Um, I definitely want it to be Luke Voy. I definitely want him to continue his toward pace that he set last year. But sure, I don't know. People, every time someone does this, people just think of automatically of Shane Spencer. So, <laughs> the home run with Spencer. Um, I just, um, last thing on that, what was I going to say? Bird, um, no, yeah, never mind. Just go. Well, yeah, <laughs> and that was fun. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> more no- news and notes. Uh, Estevan Florial getting his first spring home run, a three run shot. Um, yeah, one of the Yankees' top prospects. Is he the Yankees' top prospect? Is he our top prospect? He's, yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, he's yeah. the ER number one prospect and the only prospect we have in Major League Baseball's uh, MLB Pipeline's top 100. Damn, how, how times have changed. We used to have like eight in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Adovino looking nasty today. He had a – there's if you go on Pitching Ninja, he has two clips on there right now. One's a slider to former Yankee great Shane Robinson. And the other one's a two seam, ninety four mile per hour two seam fastball. Um, yeah, like like I said, I said on I think it was the last episode of the episode before. Like Adam Ottavino was just a he was on pitching ninja like every week, and you know <laughs> just it's, he's continuing that trend in two thousand nineteen. It's good to see. Uh, there, it's actually ridiculous because I, I mean, I wasn't watching him pitch every day in Colorado, but they straight up look like wiffle ball pitches. Yeah, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. it, like. A, a good old junk ball pitch. Um, well, you guys want to get into the uh, pinch right preview for the starters, the rotation. Yeah. All right. Well, written by our very own Spencer Schultz. Shout out to Spencer. Um, we'll probably do uh, the infield next week and the outfield and bullpen up until the regular season. But tonight we're going to start with the rotation being that we, you know, we were talking about Sevy. We we're talking about, you know, we're just talking about the rotation. Um, well, now that Sevy's probably missing April, let's just say, um, the rotation looks a bit different. But overall, you know, it's Sevy, CeCe, Tanaka, Hap, Paxton. Um, 
But the really the big question right now that surrounds us is who's going to replace Seve? Are they going to go get someone? Are they going to give it the reins to Sessa, Herman, or Loisiga? But I'll just start off with this question first. How do we feel about the Yankees rotation as a whole heading into the 2019 season? If you'd asked me a week ago, I, I'd, I'd give you a, I, a, a, a warmer so response. Um, <laughs> With this whole Seve news just put just puts a wet blanket on everything, man. It just yeah. puts a cloud over everything. See, if we had you know the foresight to know how the whole thing with Seve plays out, um, I mean, maybe it just changes my decision. Like we, we talked about it, the inflammation with not knowing the source is concerning. I mean, if he's back by the end of April and pitching fine and then we don't hear about the injury for the rest of the year, then we can float, you know, we could tread water for three, four weeks. It's fine. I think I have enough faith in the young kids to at least be competent. And then the offense um, to keep us in games. Um, the, the thing is we don't know. And, and um, CC, who, who knows what you're going to get from him too. I kind of thought that he'd be ready to go and just, you know, deal with his, his suspension first five games of the season. But if he's going to start the year on the injury list, I think you're not allowed to serve your suspension until you come back. So he may be out for an additional week on top of however long it takes him to get into playing shape. Yeah. Um, the, the rotation definitely lacks significant depth right now. And the outlook kind of rests a lot in Paxton and Tanaka's hands. Right now. I think those guys need to mm-hmm. really, really step up and, and carry us for the first month. Yeah, because I think you know what you're going to get with Hap, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, CC. Look, I I think I said before last year, like I was I was very skeptical on if CC was going to you know continue doing what he was doing, you know, have an ERA in the threes, just being a really solid pitcher, and he did. But now going into 2019, I'm probably just as skeptical, maybe even more skeptical than I was last year that CC is going to give us anything. Like I expect them to maybe give us you know 12, 15 starts, probably miss some time here and there. You know, like he's going to be doing a lot of stuff for ESPN. Um, that doesn't re- like. I'm glad he's doing that, but like, I'm kind of just thinking in the back of my mind, like, yeah, you know, he's he's kind of he's in pre-retirement. Out. He's kind of checking out of uh, you know being this whole pitcher thing. So I think I the injuries are concerning. But I was going to say like, like a question since I'm looking at the actual April schedule. But I was going to say like the way it usually works out, they. What is it that they, you know, they don't need the fifth starter only once, or can they go more than once? Like, if no, you, had... you definitely don't need it the first pass because you have the extra off days for opening yeah, day. Like, and then when they, and then they, they have um, Detroit's is is that Detroit series home or away? I'm not sure, but is, is usually how it goes with like opening day. It's like they'll have the first opening day game, then they'll have an off day. Then it's right like, to, to account for rain. Yeah, then it's like two games. Then you have another series, and then it's sometimes another. Like you have another off. Right. Well, because then when the Yankees go to Baltimore, it's I believe the Orioles series. Oh, I think yeah. they start with six games on the road, so they have the opening uh, series breaks as well. Um, and the Yankees have four off days over the first twenty days, I think. Um, so they only, you know, they may only need Severino three starts, four starts, um, which is you know you could stomach that, assuming he comes back healthy, but you don't know. Right. So, I mean, I think my my thoughts in terms of April and overall are different because obviously Severino's, you know, gone now. So presumably for most of April. And I mean, their schedule for April isn't like murder, but I mean, these are games that count. So 
it sucks if you have to run someone out there like Sessa, who I guess we're kind of assuming that he'll make the club, right? I mean, he has to. He has no options. That they right. They're not yeah, just going to so cut I mean, him out of camp. Like CC, that's a tricky situation because it's not like he was going seven innings anymore anyway. But like you know, he's got the suspension, and they're bringing him along slowly because of all the various health things. So having to replace forty percent of your rotation for a month, any month of the season, definitely sucks. But I think once you get into a groove, you know, knock on wood for Severino coming back healthy, like I think it's all, you know, there's a lot of really positive stuff. I mean, Hap was really good, you know, coming over after the deadline. And um, Tanaka, Masahiro Tanaka, you know, maybe flies under the radar because he didn't turn into like the dominant ace we thought he might. But I mean, regular season wise, other than the one year, two years ago, he's been really good so like i think there's lots of things that could be really positive if the health cooperates but when does that ever happen um how are we feeling about james paxton how are we feeling how we think how do we think he's going to do his first year with the yankees because i feel like he's a major wild card in this rotation like if he i mean if james paxton is pitching like an all-star let's say for the first two months of the season like we could go without seven for a month right like yeah. we could, you know, we could we could live with that, that because he's a guy that has the potential to be like that kind of, you know, maybe not a number one guy, but a great number two guy. So how yeah, if you if you have a dominant top of the rotation shutdown arm for a month to cover Severino's absence, I think you're fine. You know, you're always in questionable territory with the fourth and fifth starters. Anyway, unless you're the 2018 Houston Astros who just rolled out four aces, um, you, right. I, I feel like if you have the the assurance of one, maybe two lights out guys at the top of the rotation, you just make do with the other three days. I mean, James Paxton was really good for a lot of last year. And I mean, it might not be as impressive on paper as the Astros going to get Garrett Cole and he shows up throwing a hundred, but like, really good pitcher so you know it's not like the flashy we traded for an ace move maybe but i mean he's really good so once if severino comes back then you roll at like you know severino and paxton and then tanaka like i think paxton just makes the top of the rotation much deeper than it was in the last couple of years and he's a lefty which is a bonus gotta have those lefties um you know to continue to talk about, you know, Severino and having to replace him, the three main guys, right, the three main young Yankee pitchers that are the candidates to replace him are Sessa, Loisiga, and Herman. Which one of those guys do you have the most confidence in? For me, I, I'm going to say Domingo Herman, and, and I think it's because he he showed some really really nice flashes last year. I know things kind of got away from him, and he had that that stretch where he gave up a first inning run like five or six starts in a row, right? But yeah. but he did lock down afterwards, and I remember his first appearance or one of his first appearances when he came in relief of Montgomery after his UCL tear, and he threw what like four no hit innings, and then backed it up with five no hit innings in his start after that. Um, he has some electric stuff that he just needs to hone. And, you know, he, the only way he can do that is by consistently facing major league hitters. I think he's the guy who has the highest ceiling. And unfortunately also 
the most likely to implode. So it's mm-hmm. it's hit and miss with him, but I, I have to put my faith in a guy like that. Who was the third guy you said? You said Lois Egan and Herman and who, please? Luis um, Sessa. Luis, uh, Luis Sessa. All right. Who's that guy? I'm not even going to bother with him. Um, yes, I, I had to put him in there because he's a candidate, but I think this is really a question of between Lois Egan and Herman. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I mean, based on the limited time that we saw him, people would just be like, you know, well, I see, like, he came up, he pitched well, and, I mean, then he got hurt, which was crappy. But, like, I think if you believe in, like, the experience, right, second year, like, springboard effect, like, it is a lot to really like about Domingo Herman. You know, he got a pretty good body of work as a starter, Facing major league hitters, he has really good stuff. It's not like he's out there trying to trick people with, like, you know, a 90-mile-an-hour, you know, J-Hap fastball. Like, he's got really good stuff. He has a bunch of stuff on tape now. And um, I think, I mean, I would probably go with him if I had to go with any of them, you know, based off that experience alone. Yeah, I, I actually I'd probably go. T- I'd probably go Gina Lasagna for what it's worth. But go on, Andrew. Yeah. No, I was say, I, I, on the, the Herman note, I, I went back and I found a – a tweet of mine a couple of weeks ago from last summer. And, and it was something along the lines of, I don't know if Domingo Herman right now is 2016 Luis Severino or Michael Pineda. Um, just based on the way he had like such dominating, dominating stuff. And you didn't know, um, you know, the, the, the results weren't quite there. Um, I feel like that, that's, we, that's still the, to be determined part this year. He's either going to blossom into a young arm who really puts it all together and, can be lights out or he's just going to be that guy who always had all the talent in the world and just sucked. <laughs> mm-hmm. You really invoked Michael Pineda on a Yankees podcast in the year. But, but, but tell me on, on just a, on a raw stuff, but like on a, on a, just a raw stuff standpoint, specifically on a slider, like they're very comparable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. So here's my thing with between like Johnny Lasagna and um, Herman. Like I just think like Johnny Lasagna is just a more like steady pitcher. You know, mm-hmm. I just think that it's more likely that if he got like 10, 15 starts, he's just going to be like consistently decent for you. Like Herman might have th- two or three starts where he's just lights out, but then he'll have two starts where he can't make it out of the it's second. Terrible. Yeah. Know, so it's like, I mean, Johnny Lozano's thing was always, I mean, coming up to the system, it's, it's injuries. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and it might be good with, you know, having to use him for a month, but like you, you couldn't even predict that, right? He made, what was it two or three starts and then he was hurt? So, and he missed like a good chunk of the season after he got hurt. So, yeah, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they, I really don't think they're going to go and get Gio. Like, I just, I just, I don't know. I just think this, this front office isn't going to do it. I think they're going to rely on either Loi Seeger or Herman. But, let, gee, you, I just wanted to touch on more about Tanaka a little bit. You know, t- he really does, Tanaka really does get a lot of hate. For a guy that, you know, you look at his five years, like he's had one bad year. One bad year with the Yankees. And yeah, it was bad. It was like one of the worst one of the worst uh years from a starting pitcher that I've seen. I mean, it was And yet had a dominating bad. postseason to back it up. Yeah, exactly. He was awesome in the postseason. But yeah, I mean, like that was the, that was his only year with an ERA above four. Like every other year his ERA has been below 3.75. You know what's good. crazy is that the three best starts of his career arguably were that year too. He had the Maddox game at Fenway, mm-hmm. and then he had the 215 strikeout games in the same year that his ERA was almost five. Like, that's unreal. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, like so he still showed flashes in that year, but just those those home runs, man. Like they they just they keep on coming. That yeah, I mean that's Masahiro Tanaka. I feel like you know for all like there was a little bit of legend right coming out of Japan. He was this young twenty something. He throws super hard. He has all these pitches, like, and maybe he didn't develop into like the ace that the Yankees thought he would. But I think he's done a lot of good and a lot of right by the fan base. Like, you know, even as simple as like, you know, he wrote that letter, right? I'm coming back, honor my contract. I want to write, you know, win a championship. Like, but I mean, metrics will show like his four seam fastball is just, oh God, it's a train wreck. It's really bad. Like it gets, it gets pounded into oblivion every single year. So what happens when you throw low 90s in this MLB, you know? Like, low 90s is being generous, by the way, with that fastball, because it just keeps going down. Yeah, I mean, tip of the cap, though. I mean, so... I love me some Tanaka, though, I do. I really do. And then, you know, there was a story that we read, I think it was Newsday from today, you know, that he's been... Well, he was, I guess, tinkering at the end of last year and worked on more so a knuckle curve. So, I mean, I'm excited. Like, I think I just, I don't know. I just like the guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's not like the ace we thought, but he's a really good pitcher. Yeah. So, like, I'm a type of baseball fan where, like, I love, like, I'll almost, like, you know, like, I love watching great pitchers pitch. You know, like, I could just sit down. Like, I love watching when Snock is on. I, he's, like, one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Maybe my favorite pitcher to watch on the Yankees because he's just he's just such like he's his craft like he's just such a master of his craft he doesn't have overpowering stuff he's just i mean he's just a great pitcher but i mean yeah the, his his four seam fastball is just that thing gets like, thing gets hosed the guy's a gamer though like you could tell mm-hmm. you know like for you know it, like you know when he had that horrible season but he still showed up at the end and in the playoffs like he's just nails like he just he wants to show up for those big games yeah, yeah. So, um, brief, brief yeah. Masahiro Tanaka appreciation. <laughs> well, listen, we did we did over unders last year for all of our previews. I mean, we did them one player at a time. There was a little much, but do, do we want to throw some kind of lines out for for the five guys? Um, we could. I could come up with a few on the spot right here. Um, we should really just go. I mean, should we just go ERA for to make to keep it simple for all these guys? Fair. Like, yeah, that works. Um, all right. So let's see. Let's start off with let's start with Seve. Um, over and under. Over or under three point five ERA this year for Seve. It's probably right about where I'd put him, just because you don't know where he's going to be with the, the injury. Um, for contact, he was three. He was three point three nine last year. It's two point nine eight the year before. Yeah, but that three point three nine was like mm-hmm. <laughs> five and a half in the second half of the year. Um, his last, uh, his last fourteen starts last year, he was six and six with a five point six seven year. Right? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm say gonna, under. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say be under. a little uh, aggressive here. Um, he did come into camp, dropped a lot of weight. Um, it's a big if if the, the shoulder is okay. Um, after he rests it, but uh, assuming it is, um, he'll get back to where he needs to be. So I'll say under. Yeah, under, because I think even if he's not as good as he was in the first half, he won't be nearly as bad as he was in the second half. Mm. 
I'm going to go slightly over, maybe like 3-6, because I just think he's still going to deal with a few of those struggles beginning of the year. But event- I think he'll have a better second half than he did last year, like a much better second half than he did. But I think his first half might be a little bit rough. But So I'll say just over. But, okay. you know, you know. Um, now Tanaka. Let's go over and under 3.80 RA for Tanaka. I'm going under. Yeah, me as well. Yeah, because his, even yeah, even his worst season, which yeah. was like clearly the outlier of his career, but that was like four point seven. But he hasn't even been at three point eight in any of those seasons. That four point seven year, I think he had. Uh, if, if someone has has the game log in front of them, you know, please try them. But I think it was like seven starts where he gave up six or more in runs. Like that, that's unheard of. And and they, he's not going to be that guy again. Knock on wood. Uh, yeah, I mean that's. It's a brutal stat right there, Andrew. I don't even know why you had to bring that up. So wait, how you said <laughs> how many starts he had more than seven runs? I think he had like seven or eight starts that year where he gave up six or more in runs. Because there was oh, there were yeah. some really, really dominant starts, and then he gave, had those starts where he'd give up three home runs and like just get absolutely hosed. Yeah. I'm counting really quick, I'm counting six starts where he had more than six earned runs. So yeah. Okay. Oh man, I'm the one that caught my eye right away was just a Houston start. Oh my god, this is like the worst line of all time. Oh, that was the uh, that was the, the Derek the Jeter, Jeter game, right? yeah, the Jeter yeah. inning two thirds, seven hits, eight runs, one walk, three strikeouts, four. Springer took him deep yeah, twice, no, right? It, oh. it happened right off. It happened on opening day. It was Sunday night. No, it, it, yeah, it happened on opening day that year against the uh, Rays. But yeah, you know, Sunday night baseball, Jeter night. Tanaka just took a. Big piss all over that. <laughs> that was so bad. Uh, it's right. day two, I think. And Ugh. well, so there was those six starts where he gave up six or more, and then there was at least three more where he gave up five. So yeah, it's brutal. All right. Well, let's move on to James Paxton now. James Paxton, I'm going to go over and under three point seven ERA. Um, he was three point seven six last year, two point nine eight the year before, three seven nine the year before that um, career career ERA is 3.42. So over or under 3.7 for Paxton his first year with the Yankees. Hey, it's an easy under for me. I, I'm a big believer in the big Ooh. maple. I think he's going to have the best season of his career. Uh, assuming he could stay healthy. Uh, I think he's primed for, you know, CC Smith, they said on his podcast that he's a guy who could win a Scion. I don't think he's going to be top three or four on the Scion voting by the end of the year, but he's going to have a big year. I'm going to punt on this one and go even. Because Ooh. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 kicking it back to you guys. Okay. I think he's really good, and I think that you can be really good and still have a three point seven ERA. Yeah, no, agreed. I'm going to go under two though. I think he's going to have a really good year for the Yankees. Um, Jay Happ, uh, the 36 year old, the guy the Yankees re-signed for two years, 34 mil. Um, over under. Let's see, what should I put Jay Happ at? Now he was he, with the Yankees last year. He had a two point seven ERA and eleven starts. Um, his total ERA for the year is three point six five. Um, over or under? I'm going to just going to go f- straight four. Over and under four ERA for Jay. Mm. I'm going over. I, I don't. I think he's going to. I don't think he's going to have a good year. To be honest, uh, it's me being skeptical, but I, I don't think he's going to have a good year for the Yankees. I'm going to go like a four point three ERA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I that's the one move that I feel like they they almost had to make just mm-hmm. so they had starting pitching. You know, they had a veteran in the, in the another veteran in in the rotation, but I feel like he really maximized his potential with 
you know, he didn't lose a game in the regular season last year with us. Yeah. yeah, Uh, And he hasn't looked good so far in spring. I know it's spring. It doesn't mean much, but uh, I'll say over as well. I'll go under, I'll go optimistically under, you know, I mean, even if it's like whatever, 3.8, 3.9, but like, I'll take that. (laughs) uh, Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Unless, unless, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, bleeding velocity. Like this is not his concern right now. So unless he just, you know, ran out of gas over this one off season when he was so good last season, I can't see it jumping that much. Yeah, um, I know if Alex was on the pod, he would probably say under because remember he would he was like the number one J Hap fan last year. He was so happy we got J Hap. He was calling for that trade for a while. Um, you know what's funny too? If you go back to our podcast before the All Star break last year, we trashed J Hap because that was the only All Star <laughs> that the Blue Jays had. Yeah. Oh, well, that's God. that's the one thing that they were like, oh, the Yankees going to trade for J Hap, and I mean, to be fair, it was before it was it was like. Three weeks before the trade deadline, when he we were just talking about the All Star lineups, like the, mm-hmm. every team has to have a, repre- a representative. Well, he, and yeah, because he got in over uh, Snell, and we, we were just just Troy. I was so mad about that that Snell didn't mm-hmm. originally get in. He eventually got in, but well, Jay Happ with the Blue Jays, and I mean with the Blue Jays, he pitched to a four eighteen ERA. So it's not like I mean I can see why we'd be down on it then, but I mean you could. I feel like the thing that we always say for players like come from situations like that, where it's like, oh, he was energized, right? He was energized by the playoff push. I mean, it's the same thing when he was with Toronto when they were good. Um, he had some of his best years there too, so I'll buy that. Mm, great. Uh, now the big man, CC. I'm, I'll do the same for a ha- him as half. Uh, over or under a four ERA for CC this year. He was at three six five last year, three six nine the year before, three nine one the year before that. So he's been under four the last three years. Will he continue that trend? I'm gonna say even. I think he'll be right there. I think. I mean, I'm concerned just because of all the health things he's had going on, and not that he's gonna like you know dip out on the Yankees, but like you know he's got the ESPN thing, and he's. I feel like he's ready for retirement. So. I could see him pitching really well, and I could see him just as easily just running out of gas. Yeah, I'm going to say under, but that's not indicative of him having a really good year. I think we touched on it. He's probably going to miss a good amount of starts. Uh, I think he'll be effective when he's on the field, but I I don't expect him to make more than 20 starts this year. Right, so we should have done an over-under for innings instead for CC. (laughs) Yeah. We could could do a bonus one. I'll go slightly over for CC's ERA, but... Over or under 15 starts for CC this year? 15 starts is what, like three months, four months? That's like, that's basically like, you know, usually a guy has like 30 starts, give or take. So, I mean, you know, 15 is like, you know, pretty much like half of, you know, like just, yeah, like basically three months worth of starts. I'll go over that, but I also think that at the last couple of years, I mean, I feel like Brian Cashman even acknowledged that at some point, right? They have CeCe, but they pretty much admit, like, he's going to spend at least one DL stint, right? They manage his knee things. Like, so, it, I mean, you know, he made 29 starts last year, 27 the year before that, like, but that was still with the DL stint where they just, you know, they have to manage all these things. And I think – even with this heart thing now, I think that it's possible that they take it even lighter on him. Mm-hmm. 
I'll say but, I'll say over fifteen, but not much, like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go slightly over as well. I think he'll I think he'll be a, a just above fifteen, but I'm like last the last few seasons. I mean, he's made twenty nine starts last year, twenty seven the year before. I, I don't think he's gonna be uh, close to that this year. I think he I might, can see them maybe be at twenty. Like trying to save the the Yankees are very health conscious, and Aaron Boone rests players. You know. Yes, Maybe you know. when we think, you know, he doesn't need them. But, like, I mean, I could see the Yankees based on his extensive injury history and all that stuff just trying to save his best bullets for the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and, and the one thing that we didn't touch upon at all tonight is that um, as part of Cashman's statement that we're probably not going to look to the free agent market right now to replace the holes in the, in the rotation is that he said he's going to wait until after – the draft in June, um, and a big reason for that is you have to. It's it's forty man management. It's understanding if you got a young kid in the system that you know you can rely on three four years down the road that you can trade one of your top arms in AAA now for you know because if you're planning for the future, you have a guy who's a year or two away. He may be more expendable if you have another like this awesome kid who's three or four years away. Um, so I I I think the Yankees will will add someone else. Um, you know, June or July area. You know, the the sexy name that everyone wants to talk about always is, is Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> uh, Luigi, I know you're a big fan of that. I don't see them ultimately getting him. Why would you even be, okay like, to be, acknowledge that section? Yeah, of the look, to, look. To be fair, when I I wrote an article last year, I think it was like in April that the Yankees should go after Mad Bum, and I think I put like three disclaimers in the article, and like one of them was like, all right, the Giants would clearly have to be out of the playoffs. Um, like, mm-hmm. and I think another one was I think it was either about Sonny Gray continuing oh, to suck, which did happen. But you know, the Giants were kind of just like they were kind of close, like you know, all year, right? Like they were, they were really never out of the playoff race. So that kind of just you know, like the like the Giants would have had to sucked for it to happen, and even then, it would have been tough. But right, no, no, I and I agree with you that it the, a Bumgarner trade made more sense last year because then you get him for a year mm-hmm. and a half. I mean, exactly. we didn't have a great rotation last year, and ultimately that hurt us in the playoffs. Uh, so we would have needed him for last year's postseason. You can't mm-hmm. trade for him now. Yeah, like people, everyone, everyone says on Twitter, trade Florio. Like you don't trade your number one prospect for two or three months of a guy, and, and also you can't guy, undo the, the sins of not getting him last year. Mm-hmm. A guy and also a guy that you know has he's gone through injuries the last year or so, right? Yeah. So just for just one year, it would yeah. Like once once the last year's trade deadline passed, I was kind of off the get mad bum trade because I was like, all right, now we don't have him for two, we're not going to have him for two post seasons, so it's kind of just right. it's meaningless now. So like, assuming you know, you know, we're we're on this topic tonight. The theme of the show is the starting rotation. Who's a guy you could see them target. I know you have no idea who's going to be good and who's going to be bad because the season hasn't started yet, but what, what's a name that, that you can see us going for midseason? Man, that's that's a good question. Uh, we have to revisit that one. I mean, see, I keep coming back to a guy like like Marcus Stroman. Um, you know, New York guy. Uh, the Blue Jays are going to suck. Uh, I think he, if he has a better year, then yeah. But I just think yeah, he struggled last year. He, he was really bad last year. I think his ERA was around five. Yeah, he just never. He hasn't yet turned into like the Blue Jays ace, right? That's what we thought. Our people were like, "This is what he's going to be. He's going to be their ace." But it hasn't really happened. Down the stretch in 2015 and early 2016, when they went to uh, did they make the the LCS back to back years? Um, those two years. I, he was very good. 
Yeah, they, they did make the LCS in 15 and 16. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, I'm going to mix it in with some payroll talk because we're all wound up about that. Like, I think it's, I mean, it, the Yankees payroll is like 195, just short of $200 million. But, like, that's why I'm not, like, quite so mad about um, – you know, them not going to get like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, because it's like, if, if, you know, if health cooperates, lineup is really, really good. And bullpen's really good. Like starting pitching would be what you address. And like, unless they were like really out of it or didn't see themselves making a run, Hal Steinbrenner has basically never said no to an in-season acquisition that Brian Cashman thought would help. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, We'll have to see if how they upgrade the starting rotation, if they will, when they will. But guys, any any final thoughts, any updates about the blog, about the website, about about anything going on in the world of Bronx Marwall? Uh we are doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, so that's a lot of fun. Lots of videos and highlights, throwback videos. Players that are great and you know, we're Yankees. So we're counting down. To opening day, and you should go follow at Bronx Marvel on Instagram. Yeah, and and to, to add on to that, I mean, let, let's just say that we're going to open up our our DMs for for questions. Maybe we can start incorporating that in, in shows later down the road. DMs I mean, if you guys are open, yeah. So it, it's it, it, it's what it, it's at Bronx Marvel Ball. No spaces, characters, or anything like that. Just um, you have questions or comments that you want us to address on the show. Um, you know, send them in. Yeah, and I think we'll start posting. I need to start posting a tweet a few hours before we record, you know, asking if anyone has any questions. We got a few good questions last year for the show. Hopefully none from Cameron. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all we got tonight. So for Luigi, for Andrew, for G, this is the Bronx Farmer Battle Podcast. We out.